Do you wish that all things wealth and finance were much easier to understand and not presented by a bunch of beige cardigan-wearing geeks? Welcome to the Clever Investor Podcast, where we're dishing up the easiest-to-understand finance program served in bite-sized chunks, so your brain will thank you as your knowledge grows. Hosted by the brilliant Owen Taylor, a multiple award-winning expert with a glorious knack for explaining the complex world of wealth in the simplest of ways. Hey, Clever Investors, and welcome back to another show. Today, I want to talk to you about deposits and funds towards your purchase, which are actually two slightly different things, but they do have a crossover. So let's have a look at the word deposit. So what we're really doing when we're paying a deposit on a property is we're literally putting it on lay-by until settlement day. So settlement day is the day that you take possession of the property. All the money's paid over, the cash you're putting in, the bank comes along with the big check for the rest of the money, you get the front door keys, or in the case of an investment property, your managing agent gets the front door keys and then they go and find somebody that's going to live in it for you. So the deposit is always 10% of the purchase price. You can, however, negotiate to pay a lower amount A lot of the time, it's often agreed that you're going to pay 5%, but legally, you are still liable for the other 5%. Now, the deposit is there to show that you are serious about buying this property and you have agreed that on a certain date, you will come up with the rest of the money, whether it's in cash or whether it's by bank loan. If you don't complete the property, so complete the sale on that given date, the vendor, the seller of the property, has the legal right to retain that 10% deposit and they can go and sell the property off to somebody else. Now, that's not something that we actually ever want to happen. Unfortunately, Every now and then, these type of things do happen. So this deposit is paid when you've agreed on what the purchase price is going to be. And the the amount that you're going to pay is accepted by the vendor. So again, the vendor is the seller of the property. Now, this is the same whether you're buying a property that's ready to be settled right now, it's a completed property, or off the plan purchase. You've agreed on the price, you've agreed, you've got the, the contract has been checked out by your legal people. All of the uh, conditions, the uh, the inclusions on the property, all of those things are agreed to by both parties. And part of that agreement is a date where you're going to give them the rest of the money. As I said before, that's known as settlement day. Now, in the case of an auction, when the hammer falls and you're the lucky buyer, congratulations, you'll be taken to one side by the selling real estate agent who, for a short period of time, is going to be your very, very best friend. Um, They'll even let you borrow their pen when you're signing the contracts. And when you sign the contracts, you will give them the money for the deposit. So you obviously, when you're going to an auction, you've got to organise prior to auction day 
how are you going to pay this deposit? Now, you're obviously not going to rock up to auction with 10% of whatever the purchase price is in cash. So you've gone to buy a $500,000 property at auction. You're not going to walk in there with $50,000 in a briefcase like something out of a James Bond movie. So the ways to get around that is you need to get a bank check made out to. And the person it's made out to you will get your legal people, your conveyancer, to find out from the other side who they want the cheque made out to. And if you're not the lucky purchaser of the property, you can then just take the bank cheque back to the bank and cash it back in, put the money back into your account. The other way to pay the deposit is via a deposit bond. Now, a deposit bond is basically an insurance policy that says the insurance company will pay the vendor the 10% deposit if you, the buyer, don't complete the purchase on time. Now, you don't get away with it scot-free because if the insurance company has to pay out, and we all know that insurance companies like to take our money, but they don't like to pay out, they will then come after you for that 10% that is owed. So you don't get away with it scot-free. Now, the other way of doing it is a thing called a bank guarantee. And a bank guarantee is when the bank will see that you've got the money in your account. It's a bit like the uh, just getting a check made out. Ask these questions before you go to auction. Do it via your conveyancer. How do you want the deposit paid on the fall of the hammer? Now, if you're buying via private treaty, so for sale, or you're buying a property which is off plan. Remember, we're talking a lot on this podcast about being an investor. It's a lot simpler process because when you sign and accept the contract on the property, you'll then get the bank account details where you're going to pay that deposit money into. That deposit money is never paid into the account for the seller of the property. And it doesn't matter whether you're buying a property from uh, a private person or whether you're buying it from a corporation or whether you're buying it from a developer. That deposit money is never put into the vendor's account. It's held in a solicitor's trust account. And that is actually by law, by legislation within Australia. So nobody can run off with that money. If in the event you don't or you can't complete the property purchase in a timely manner, then the vendor's legal will actually have to go and seek permission and prove that you haven't been able to settle the property. Then that 10% can be actually released to them and they can organise to on-sell the property to someone else. So that's sort of, that's an extreme circumstance. And we might get Peter Ishax back at some stage to talk about what happens in those situations. So Peter was the guy that we got in to talk about what is a contract of sale. Look for that podcast. Now, the word deposit is often misused slightly when we're buying property. So the deposit, as I mentioned before, is an amount of money, which is generally 10% of the purchase price by contract law. And we're literally using that to put the property on hold. We're putting it on lay-by until settlement day. The other thing we have to talk about is 
the other money we need to put in towards the purchase. So what's commonly referred to as the funds towards the purchase. And sometimes the funds towards the purchase includes that 10% deposit amount. Sometimes it doesn't. Let me give you some examples. Now it's time for a little word from today's podcast sponsor. Have you been thinking for far too long about how to become a property investor? For most people, fear absolutely paralyzes them. Wait no more. Great starting point is to come along to this webinar that I run, The Principles of Property Investment. The idea of this is to give you a game plan on how you can start and the fundamentals of it. The Principles of Property Investment is the perfect starting point. Don't be full of fear, knowledge is power, The links are going to be on the social media or go to bluewealth.com.au, look under the events tab and book yourself in. Let's say we're buying an investment property and we're using our home, we're using the equity in our home as security for the purchase. You'll pay your 10% deposit in cash or in deposit bond, however it is, and for whatever period of time. Now, when it comes to settlement day, from an investment point of view, if we're using equity, we'll often be leveraging to our maximum. So we will be borrowing the full purchase price and the costs. And the costs are stamp duty on the property, an amount for your legal costs, so that's your your conveyancing costs. On average, it's about two, maybe two and a half thousand dollars. And there might be some incidental fees, some transfer, uh, government duties. There could be an application fee or a valuation fee on it. As a general rule of thumb, that normally equates all up to being about 5% of what the total purchase price is. It can vary slightly. So that's got to be covered as well. Now, when we're using equity in a property, we're going to borrow the full purchase price and these costs as well. And we can do it that way. We can structure the loan that way because we're offering the lender security of atypically our home, our owner-occupied property. All right. So your home might be worth a million dollars and you only owe a hundred thousand on it. And we're buying an investment property for four hundred thousand plus we want another twenty-five thousand for stamp duties and legal costs. And we say to the lender, look, we want to borrow $425,000. You can have security over both of these properties here. So I actually will have a total debt for you of $525,000. But you've got $1.4 million. The home and the investment property is security. The lender goes, yeah, as long as you can service the deal and uh, we'll give you the money. Now, what would then happen in that circumstance is the 10% deposit that we had paid at the time of signing the purchase contract, that 10% deposit, when it gets released, instead of it going to the vendor, the seller of the property, and whether it's a private person or whether it's a a developer, that 10% gets released and it comes back to you, the buyer of the property, because 
we've got the bank coming along with the full purchase price, the 400000 and 25000 to then cover stamp duty, legal costs, and all the other things. Sometimes if we're buying a property and it's a standalone purchase, or maybe it's your first property that you're purchasing, that 10% on settlement day, the deposit amount, would then get released and you don't have to do any of the work on this. This is what you've got your legal team for. This is what you've got your conveyancer for. They will authorise that the deposit is released and that 10% goes to the vendor, the seller of the property, plus you then will be paying for the stamp duty on the property, which doesn't go to the vendor. That goes to whatever state government you're buying that property in, whichever state or territory you're in. Plus there will be often a transfer fee cost and you've got to pay your legal team and maybe there's a bank application fee, right? Now, this is all worked out for you by your conveyances and they will give you a document in the day prior to settlement actually outlining how much has got to be paid, where it's got to be paid to. And nowadays, it's you can do this by transferring money into bank accounts or a lot of the time, a lot of the conveyances will allow you to pay it into their business trust account in one lump sum and they will disperse it for you on your behalf. That's that's what you're paying them for. That's part of the service of doing it. And if you're adding any extra money to it, so let's say you're doing an 80% loan, well, you've put 10% in, so that will go to the vendor, and then you've got to put in another 10%, of course, plus those other costs. So strictly speaking, When you're talking about the deposit, the deposit is just covering that 10%, which is holding the property. Then what you've got to keep an eye out for is people are going to talk to you about your funds towards the purchase. And again, the funds towards the purchase may include the deposit money and extra cash that you're going to be putting towards it, or it might just be that that full 10%. Or in the case of when we're buying an investment property, you might be getting that deposit back. I hope that sheds a little bit of light on what a deposit is and what funds towards the purchase are. I'll see you again next week for another Clever Investor podcast. You have been listening to the Clever Investor podcast, proudly sponsored this week by Blue Wealth Property. Are you ready to start a new investment journey? Get in touch with the industry leaders, Blue Wealth Property. Blue Wealth have a proven track record in using research to identify growth markets. And Blue Wealth have supported thousands of Australians to buy the right property in the right market at the right time. Go to bluewealth.com.au.